0: Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest.
1: Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in HOPE and text BOBBY to 785 833 That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. I just have always thrived in collaboration. I would like to think I could have, but I think I would have felt so alone. And I just really enjoy collaborating with the
0: two of them. Episode 432 with Hillary Scott from Lady A. We had Hillary on during the pandemic, but she was on a Zoom near oh, the beach. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Hillary and she's awesome as a person, like just the greatest. But we had never had her in. We had We had Dave in. We've had Charles in, but never had Hillary. I really enjoyed this. It was easy with her because I really like her. I know her. She's the easiest person to talk with and talk to. You can follow her on Instagram, Hillary Scott LA, as in Lady Annabella. not as in Los Angeles. Hillary Scott LA. Their new single is called Love You Back. Here you go. You can love a memory, but a memory can love you back. What do you think that song's about? You had to guess. Letting go of the past. Love You Back explores the idea that while memories of an old flame can bring some comfort, they can also keep one from moving forward. Well, a lot of times we romanticize things that are done because we can create scenarios. Because you can't say we're wrong. Yeah. And so, if you're listening right now, stop thinking of your ex. Move on. He's a freaking loser. <laughs> Move on to that new guy. He's not as much of a loser. He's still kind of a loser, but not as much, you know? Leave your wife. Leave your husband. No, don't, don't <laughs> listen to that voice. Lady A, top five streaming songs of all time. Let's roll through these real quick. Number five, American Honey.
1: A wild, wild whisper
0: in the number four, Bartender. Hey bartender for I'm number three, What If I Never Get Over You. What if I'm number two, Just a Kiss. i surprised that's number two. I thought it'd be more like four or five. Hmm. Number one, Need You Now. So, Hillary Scott, born in Nashville, Tennessee. Linda Davis, uh, country music artist. She sang with Reba. Uh, she toured with Reba for a long time. And then she, do you have the song they did together? I don't it's have it. It's a very famous song. Okay, you don't have it right now, but in, Mike's going to put it in a post where it feels like we have it now. Here's that. Enjoy. I did. Here she is, Hillary Scott from Lady A. Hello, Hillary.
1: Hello,
0: Bobby. I, I didn't know, because we had planned this before, and we were just talking. I thought, because last year was just weird, because I was like sick. I had RSV. You ever had RSV? I
1: don't think so. I only babies worried. got that. Yeah, worried about my kids.
0: Then I thought, I am I a baby? You know, do <laughs> I still have... Uh, and then you said, no, it was you that was sick. So yeah. then I remembered. Yeah. And I'm glad that both of us could do this again.
1: Me too. Uh, and we don't have to socially distance, because we're both well. It's amazing. Yes.
0: I feel like Iron Man at this point. I've had it all. I've had every disease. (laughs) Um, And so you mentioned my dog, too, a minute ago, Eller, who is the dog we adopted. I I think the last time we probably saw each other was at the dog place.
1: It was. We won't say where. Dog daycare, yeah. Yeah. Ran into each other. Because we do. We live. We're neighbors, basically. I'm, like, not far from you. And I remember meeting Eller, because I had heard you talk about her on the show. And then um, she peed on my shoes.
0: And I was so embarrassed. (laughs) I was so embarrassed, but the only thing that saved me was we were at a dog place, and I knew you had a dog. Yes. That, and, and most dogs I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, pee.
1: They do. All dogs, I would think. Healthy okay, dogs.
0: great. I think dogs pee. And she was <laughs> excited to see, and she peed on your shoes. She did. And I remember looking at your shoes being like, please don't be red bottoms, <laughs> or please don't. But, yeah.
1: If I'm picking up my dog in red bottoms, that's on me.
0: <laughs> okay. That's fair, too. It is, again, so wonderful to see you. We had uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman over here recently, and- I do a lot of these, I mean, hundreds and hundreds. And I enjoy actually sitting down and being able to talk for an hour with somebody as opposed to eight minutes yeah. where you're going, project, this, that, boom, goodbye. And so it, I performed at the Opry with Steven a bunch of times, not together, but while he was on there. And we had, we had become friendly, yes. but I listened to him so much as a kid. Yeah. And I was so, it was so exciting for me to spend time with him and actually realize he's like that even in yeah. long doses. Absolutely. Do you know him?
1: Yes, I do. What
0: is he like as a friend? Because I just want to be his best friend.
1: Oh, my gosh. Sincere and kind and just the wisdom I, I receive from him anytime we have a conversation. I mean, we go back far because we cold called him. I think it was November, late November, early December of 2011. And we were getting married, Chris and I. And we were like... Do we want to just play music in our ceremony? And we kind of eloped. We did a little bit of a modified elopement um, because we were originally going to be married in April of 12, and then we ended up pushing it to January of 12. And so we called him and just said, hey, would you and your wife, Mary Beth, want to fly up to upstate New York and sing oh, at our wedding? it wasn't even here. It no, wasn't even here. You didn't like, to drive down the road. Yeah. Oh. It was in upstate New York right outside of Albany. And he said yes. And he and Mary Beth made kind of a little getaway out of it. And we spent time together over that wedding weekend and then just became such good friends. And then um, we actually, you know, got to hang with he and his family and their musical family and just so much in common that way. And then um, not long after that, I made the record with my family, um, with Ricky Skaggs producing and Steven sang on it. And so we've just kind of continued to be friends. Mary Beth actually just texted me a couple, like a week and a half ago about getting together for dinner. And we just are such supporters in what they're doing with Show Hope and their organization. Um, they do, you know, grants. I'm sure he talked about it. Grants for families that are looking to adopt. And um, just a lot of alignment of heart. And he's just so family forward. And I love that about them.
0: I also loved that he was honest about a story where he was like, yeah, I a huge country music fan. Yeah. You know, he- he didn't really manipulate his story to fit his exact brand. His brand is what his story allowed him to kind of pivot into. Yes, and yes. still a fan of country music, but he's like, you know, I, I, got, I felt the need and the calling to sing for Jesus. Yes, And a lot of times, as you know, we have to build narrative so it's easy for people that are consuming us to remember and he didn't do that, and I was so grateful for him to tell the story like that. Yes. And there have been a few, few Christian artists that have come in, because I grew up in a church, Baptist church, Mountain Pine Baptist, and we weren't even that hardcore. Like, we could dance.
1: That is a
0: very—that's that, not the Arkansas. church I grew up yeah, well, in. awesome. In, in, in Arkansas, we had a Baptist church, and we could dance. And I went to church a lot for safety. Um, you know, there, we had a bit of food insecurity how I grew up, and there was always food on Sundays— there was always Wednesday night, somewhere to go. Yes. Um, and so, like, Chris Tomlin is another example. Yeah. Who, ugh, I love that dude. Yes. And I asked him if there was pressure, and this is going to lead to the question I'm asking you. I asked him if there was pressure because, and my wife, when I, at, at, you know, she's not super into the industry. Or she's not in it at all, but she doesn't, like, really care that much. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, Chris Tomlin, we sang all his hymns at church. And I was like, well, we just sang... Rock of Ages, basically. You know, all of ours were him. Yes, (laughs) but I asked him if there was a pressure on him to be so godlike, because that's how everyone knows him. Mm. Because he's he's a normal human, and I'd found myself talking about a Christmas party we were having, and I invited him over, and it was like not real money, but we were we were had Vegas set up, and what we were doing was donating to whomever won that night to their charity, and I was going to invite him, and I was like, I'm not inviting him; it's gambling. And it was exactly what he told me that he did not want people to do to him. And so then I said, Chris, I'm so sorry. I didn't invite you. Now I'm inviting you again because it's fun. So he lives with this wonderful but constant pressure of people to think he has to be godlike all the time. Do you feel the pressure on you as a public person and even a Christian, an open Christian, to always present, we'll just say, a good mood?
1: Oh, I mean, there's definite pressure for sure, I think. To me, what I am so grateful for about my relationship with God and my faith is that there's a scripture that talks about when we are weak, He is strong. So in our weaknesses, in our vulnerability, we actually connect deeper. We see how much we need Him. Others see that we don't have it all together. I mean, I've heard it said so many times and it's so profound. And it's like, church needs to be more like a hospital (laughs) <laughs> than like than a country club where you show up all buttoned up sure. and presenting a certain way, it's like no, we're all broken, wanting to come together for the same reason to receive the peace and the comfort and the grace and mercy of God, you know, and so I do definitely feel that pressure, but ironically, when you do share publicly or privately the hard things you're going through, that's when you really connect
0: with it absolutely. People.
1: I mean, truly, like that is where I've had the most just, oh, the most rewarding conversations, the re- most rewarding DMs conversations with, you know, people on Instagram. I mean, it's just so to not be afraid to say what's really going on.
0: Can I ask you what, and, and I'll share one with you too, just so you don't feel alone here, but can I ask you like a, an example of that, something that you would have spoken about that was difficult for you? Because yeah. I felt a lot of shame in mine. But I didn't realize that other people were riding alongside me with their own version of it. Yeah. So what what would an example of that be for you?
1: I mean, the one of the biggest was um something that I still grieve every day, which is the miscarriage we had in between Isley and my twin girls and just how it as I walked through and Chris and I walked through that experience, there was a, a big, you know, moment of like, are we gonna share this? Are we gonna but then when the only way I knew to pursue healing and just kind of keep moving was to write about it. it, became a song. And then it was a song that I knew. I was like, I think people really need to hear this. And so, um, it was it was that experience and and one that continues to come up to this day. You know, that record came out, that song came out in two thousand sixteen. And I still feel like when people come up to me, whether it's in the grocery store or at a meet and greet, it's always it's always brought up.
0: Were you surprised that that is what people attach to so so strongly, and that people still attach to it even what are we, five, uh, seven years or yeah. so later?
1: I think it it doesn't surprise me because one in four women, one in four pregnancies—not women, one in four pregnancies—end in miscarriage. So the statistics are so high that, and not a lot of people know that that's how often it happens. Um, so that's a whole lot of people. That's a whole lot of women. That's a whole lot of families. Um, so I think the that specific experience and and the women and the families that I hear from who've experienced that exact thing, it isn't shocking. Now the other stories around the song, where it's met others in other ways, in different hardships in their life. Um, those those always, I mean, they all touch my heart. They all just Humble me, and um, and are very, very priceless to me to be invited into those stories. But some of the ones that are about other things are the ones that
0: like lay me out in the floor. When I wrote my first book, I was, I didn't know, I didn't know how to write a book. I mean, I had written some stuff, but never a book. And I thought no one would want to read a book for me anyway. And I thought I'm just going to write everything, and then whatever I'm too ashamed of, I'm going to pull out. But I'm going to, as uh, and you, you probably deal with this writing, you know, a song, a three-minute version of this, but a hundred times. And so I wrote this book, and th- it was a lot of my insecurities, a lot of what we all suffer through. But I wrote about my mom a lot. My mom's not alive anymore. She died when she was uh, 47 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, she died from uh, basically drug abuse, drug and alcohol abuse. And it had gotten so bad with her, and it was some heavy drugs like meth. And but I'm from Arkansas, and it's it's poverty there.
1: Right.
0: And... Like, I never quite understood until I got older. But my mom had got so wrapped up in it that she would call and need money. And, you know, she had started to go, well, I'm going to do porn. Mm. And when your mom calls and tells you that, and I was, and I remember writing that story, and I was so, I was so ashamed.
1: Mm.
0: And I was going to take it out. And I don't know why I didn't, because I never had the thought, I'll leave it in. It'll connect. I don't know how it lasted and landed, but I'm telling you, when I'll tour and do stand-up, you want to know what people talk to me about? How it's not exactly the same, but everybody will come up, not everybody, but a lot of people come up and go, I'm so glad you said this, because nobody says that addiction affects them in ways like this. Yes. And even now, I mean, I wrote that book six, seven years ago, like, I couldn't believe that that was the connector. Yeah. I thought I'll write some funny stories. People will enjoy it. I'll write a, but of everything that I wrote, I was most ashamed of a lot of the stuff that I had gone through in that part of my, my life and my world. But that was the, that was the really, the, the connector of all. And, it's I could, unbelievable. and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But it also shows me that the more raw and open you are, the more you're actually relatable. And I did not think that was the yeah. case
1: and 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 I think the other beautiful benefit for you sharing it and I, or at least for me for for sharing it is the freedom you feel because i there was something in me with my story, like if I had withheld that information, I would have really felt like I was moving through my life in not the most honest way that that I could, and that I would be numbing some part of my myself um and that just didn't feel authentic. And so, as scary as it was, I felt free.
0: Did you feel when you were writing, when you're doing the the, the music? Because this is a bit how I felt too. Like I had, reliving it was kind of hard. Yes, yes,
1: absolutely. Well, in writing it, I mean, I was in the middle of miscarrying when I wrote the song, so it was very much like I'm in this right now, talking about it right now. So as it got recorded, and then the times that I've, I've performed it or sang it in church, um, it's definitely been a different experience. Um, remembering it, still feeling it deeply, but not like I was when
0: we wrote it. I may mean, have chills like on the back of my neck just talking about it again and also talking about it with someone who understands yeah. what it's like to share that, yeah. going, how is this going to be interpreted? How are people going to feel about me? But then you realize everybody's got their own. Oh, my gosh. Everybody's got their own. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, they do. We all do. And that, I think, is is the great equalizer of being human is we all have all have our hardships and our struggles, and we all want to be loved
0: and feel like we belong. My dog peed on your shoes. He did. She did. She did. She absolutely she did. did. And I thought today, <laughs> just to go full circle, I would pee on your shoes before you left. Because so, <laughs> I told her, I said, Ella, I'm going to pee on her shoes today because— I know you feel bad. She does. That way, I can pee too, and she'll be like, "You're with me You're in with
1: it." With me. You know what? I'll leave them for you. How about that? And then I'll come back well, later and not, pick them that's up.
0: That's fun. <laughs> I went to a, an allergist a few, uh, I guess, late last week. I didn't really been to an allergist before. It's kind of like yeah. a fancy thing. Yeah. Didn't you know? I didn't go to a lot of allergists, but I had a, a, a infection in my uh, like sinus infection so bad that I got it got in my teeth and my ears, oh, and I did sorry. not know that's what it was. I thought I had uh, some kind of uh, tooth pain. So I go and my Dennis is like, you got nothing wrong with your teeth. Then we do a different x-ray. He goes, dude, you, you, your cavity is completely full. And, you know, like you, I, my voice is what I have. Yes. And so, and I lose there about twice a year because of allergies. And so, my doctor says, go to this allergist. And she tells me, I'm severely allergic to dogs. No. Yeah, I got to kill them both today. <laughs> no, never. I will just die. I'll just die of allergies. I'm getting, I have to go every week now and get allergy shots. Three, oh, three a week. Sorry. But the the thing, the thing that I love, yes, I'm allergic to. Ugh,
1: that's hard. I mean, there are kids. I mean, they really. I mean, we have one dog, and he is a 92 pound sheepadoodle doodle. <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> he's awesome. And but they they are we they are so they're a part of our family. They really are. I mean, I love my my three girls, and I love my my fur baby. I mean, it's. I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah, it sucks, and we don't have kids yet. And if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a couple of kid questions. Sure. Because I didn't get married till I was almost 40. I didn't really have a serious girl. I didn't have that until... So I met my wife and it was like, oh, I didn't know that it was supposed to be... It's not always easy. Right. But I didn't know that it was supposed to be this easy when it's good. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just kind of like... It's, a, it's like a click. Like it just fits, right? Exactly. And so I meet her and it's awesome. and We get married and... You know, she wants to have kids. I want to have kids eventually, but like I said, I didn't have a—I I don't have models like my parents. I didn't—they weren't together. I didn't know my daddy left when I was five or six. My mom, you know, passed away. So I'm scared to death to have kids. And then I—but what I wonder is, and I ask you because you're a little younger than I am, but how—how how old is your, uh, your oldest?
1: Isley's ten. Yeah. What? Yeah.
0: Ten already? I know. I <laughs> know.
1: Isley's 10, and then
0: my twin girls That's crazy. will be
1: 6 at the end of
0: January. Okay, so I feel like if and when we have kids, when, because she's not pregnant now, no articles, no headlines, <laughs> I promise you, she's not pregnant right now, I don't think she is. Um, it seems like it's a lot of work.
1: It is, but the most rewarding work. But is it
0: really, or is it because you've been told, you ha- not you have to say that, but that you're supposed to feel that way? No, no, it is. Because I'm very selfish, Yeah. not about giving stuff, but about I've only ever been me mm-hmm. and trying to first just survive as myself yes. and then to create for myself and then for others. I feel like I'm going to have a kid and either, A, be like my dad who left. And I don't think I'm going to do that, but like, there's, there's that part of me is there. Yes. Or I'm just going to be annoyed because I have to give up all my life and kids are just a lot of work. Like talk me, not down, but talk some <laughs> – Logic into me. I know you. Well, not have to ask you this yes. question. That I know you're not going to lie to me.
1: No, I mean, well, it it is. I mean, I think marriage is a really you in a in a way. If if you are pursuing a healthy marriage, you, you there's a part of you that has to die to yourself every day for your wife. I, I have there's a the the parts of me that I that leak out on my husband if I don't if I don't keep myself in check. We suffer. So. You know, I think that's why marriage is such a beautiful kind of place to start um, with learning how to put someone else before yourself. But here's the thing with children. They are from you. <laughs> and it is different. I mean, it is so—it's um, humbling. I mean, I was in an argument with my five-year-old this morning trying to get her dressed for school and having a moment—and I didn't say this out loud to her. I never would. But I was like, I don't know what to do in this moment with you. Like, I'm really struggling. Like, you're hearing one thing, I'm saying another. You're just totally tuning me out eventually. And it's frustrating. But, oh my gosh, it is it is the most unbelievable gift. And I was just talking to my, my sister-in-law. She's visiting with her husband and my niece. And um, we were just having this conversation of how much more you, as you become a parent, Every day is not just a combination of putting yourself, you know, like trying to be as selfless as possible, taking care of yourself, but also doing the work to be the best parent to show up for your child. But it's also a continual surrender of control because there are certain things that you can control, like. You know, when you feed them, now if they eat it all, like there's, there's all these different things that you can control, but then there's a whole lot that you just have to let go. And that is not to bring this back, but it is the compass of my, my life, my story. Without my faith, I would be the worst mother and wife because I would need to just grasp everything. Like their lives and mine depended on it. And so when there's a surrender— and faith in the process, in the story, and, and a faith in God to that He's in control, um, and I don't have to be, it just helps me breathe
0: and exhale. I'm scared to death. Like, I'm scared to— and,
1: and you know what that says to me? It speaks to the unbelievable heart you have that you're taking it seriously. Like, there's something really healthy in fear.
0: Or that I know I'm going to screw it up. That's what I tell my wife like I'm afraid I'm going to mess this up so bad like why I'm already I struggle being a good husband at times because I'm just gone yeah. or I'm not you know we've been married 2 years been together for four or so whatever it is like that to me was hard because I've never had somebody that I cared as much about that I would actually let it affect me to where it it was bothersome that they weren't feeling good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had never had that. I haven't now, and we've yes. I've definitely. But I feel like I'm like twelve in that development. Career wise, I'm like 110. I'm Methuselah man. I mean, <laughs> let's go. I got a I got a long gray beard. I've been through it all, but like in that relationship part of my life, yeah, like that was that that is still developing. Mm-hmm. I read books on it. Yeah, which I never thought I would. I only want to read like sports books, and but now I just read a book, uh, Wired for Love, which is like a book about the brain. and I never thought I'd be that guy. Yeah. And I never think I'm going to read kids' books, but oh my God, I bet I do. And you write them. Oh, I do. I did write a kids' book. <laughs> I did write a children's book, yes. yes. <laughs> um, I just got in from, from uh, Vegas like an hour ago. I was doing the CES convention out there and speaking a couple places. And while I was there, um, there was this really small show that Weezer came out to play. I'm a massive Weezer yes. fan. I did not know until I got there that was happening. And I'm right at the stage. And I have no phone out. Someone had recorded me and I got the video of it. I don't have my phone out and I'm watching, and I'm just in I'm in it and I'm enjoying it and I'm singing every Weezer song because that was one of my favorite that's why I wore my glasses, honestly. Yes. Because I thought Rivers Cuomo was the coolest dude. He was a nerd like I was and I was also blind. And so I'm watching Weezer and I'm i I'm being a fan. I rarely get to be a fan just because of the industry that yeah. we're in. When is the last time you got to be a real fan of something in in, in the arts? It doesn't have to be music. Yeah but where you went and you just got to go, I'm not Hillary from Lady A. I'm not Hillary the singer. I'm just here to enjoy this.
1: Yes. Um, you know, the first thing that pops up to in my mind when you ask me that question. So we started our tour, the Request Line tour, in April of last year. We did two nights at the Ryman, which was such a sweet and daunting, scary, and also really rewarding way to start the tour. But... Um, we played a Friday and a Saturday night. And then on Sunday night, a friend of mine who's a Christian artist named Brandon Lake played the Ryman. And I. so I was at the Ryman three nights in a row. And that night, it, there was something about the timing of it, I think, after giving so much of myself to these two shows in our hometown in this iconic venue, getting to go and sit and just experience something that was so inspirational and so beautiful with music that I love and I sing in my car all the time. Um, That to me was the, and I took my little sister Riley with me. Um, That was probably the last time in recent months that I felt like I was just fully soaking up the experience. Um, So that
0: would be. Do you feel like people, or were you able to separate yourself from people pointing and staring?
1: Yeah. I don't know. You know, I was so lost in that show. It's hard to call it a show too. It's like a worship experience, but um, I was so caught up in it. I don't even, I don't, I don't even know if I noticed anybody else, to be honest. I mean, and that night it was so cool. Thomas Rat came out and they performed a song together. It's a song called um, Talking to Jesus. And it's this really beautiful story song about prayer and um, family that pray for you. And it was awesome. It was so much fun. But I, if they were looking, I didn't care. I mean, right. that's how free I felt. It was awesome. like I didn't have my, you know, my phone wasn't out. It wasn't. It was just free, um, kind of like you explained. And Listening I, to Weezer. I,
0: I was watching myself sing along to the song with no phone in my hand, and I was like, "Man, I wish I could be that guy more." Yes. It's my fault. I'm not. Yeah. It, tell that. Yeah. It's too. my fault. I'm not. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little harder. Um, it's hard to go eat and people record us eating. My wife hates it especially. Yes. like that. But, you know, but I shouldn't let that sour me to allow myself to have, like, great experiences. Mm-hmm. And I saw me, and, and I posted on my Instagram because I'm just like, rare me, no phone, and someone <laughs> recorded me. And it was awesome. Yeah. And I, I almost didn't recognize that version of me to just be in that moment. I, it, another thing that's kind of odd about Nashville is we rarely get to see— our friends do their thing that they are celebrated for professionally because I'm gone on a lot of weekends right uh, and also so are my friends and if they are here, they're rarely here're you like you guys are rarely here right and, it, and so um, Brett Eldridge is one of my top three best friends in the whole world and my wife and Brett and myself we probably hang out two to three times a week like we're that close right yes. but she didn't know she knew he was a singer. She had never seen him sing. And we go to his Christmas show last year. She's like, I'm nervous. I'm like, why? She goes, because if this is cringy, I got to tell him. Yeah. She goes, I've never seen him sing. <laughs> and Brett is a very, uh, is, is very shy, um, very much a mental health advocate and deals with anxiety, as do I. I think that's kind of why we, we bonded at first. Yeah. But he comes out and he starts singing. And I look over and she's like crying. Because here's this person that we know mm-hmm. that's doing the thing they were meant to do. And she's getting emotional. I so said, I guess that's not cringy, huh? She said, like, nope, that's not cringy at all. Hang tight. The Bobby cast will be right back. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com.
1: T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. And we're back on The Bobbycast. Not being able to see our friends do their things and to see them. Sometimes it's, I'm kind of reawakened to it. What about your friends that are so good at music and you finally get to see them again if it's an award show or... uh, Ashley McBride would be another one that whenever I see her live, that I'm always like, oh my God, I forgot how good she was. Yes. Yeah, who for you is like that?
1: I mean, I'm trying to think of the CMAs this year. There are so many great performances. I mean, we, so we presented right after the Warren Treaty performed. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was standing backstage. Yeah. With Gary, the Golden Bachelor, and <laughs> we were about to walk out and we get to like we presented Jelly Roll with his award which was such oh what an epic moment. We were so honored to be there, but listening to them and just just the pure un the pure talent gifting anointing that they have um singing together and as them you know individuals um that you you do get reminded when you hear them in the room live that's why i think it's a real huge part of my year this year to have more creative input than output like i want to experience more live music or even just all kinds of arts theater my little girl isley loves the theater she's actually in a production this weekend um her first one with this theater company she's in, and but wanting to have like as you're talking, I'm like I want I want to give myself the opportunity to experience those moments more, because I know I go in and and am a different creative and a better creative
0: because of it. Not only is it good for you inside, it's also good for you for what you're producing.
1: Yes, like one, yeah. One abs- and I mean, as you shared that story, I was thinking about how much it must have meant to Brett for someone who doesn't really know him in that space but knows him who he is off stage in a genuine and authentic way to then have a friend a newer friend who is now experiencing him in this way
0: the opposite way most people get to know him
1: yes and yeah. it is the most like oh i mean i could cry thinking about how seen and known in a deeper way that must have felt for him because those times that that's happened in my life i'm like you know the real me and you also get to see this other side of me and celebrate it and um yeah that's a really that's a very very special um circumstance and opportunity
0: it was also like when i watched him do that you just reminded and I, i told him i was like man that that's what you were meant to do not that it didn't take so many hours of work and getting better and performances and because there's a lot of work that goes into being great. Yes. But that is what you were meant to do. What, what do you feel like you were meant to do?
1: <laughs> um, definitely what I'm doing. I mean, being in music, there's other things that I'm really, really passionate about as well. I mean, growing up in a musical home, it's funny you ask that question. I might actually backtrack for a second. So growing up in a musical home, both my parents moved here from their hometowns to pursue it. It was almost like this is what you do. Like, this is what we do. This is how I learned to really kind of fit into my family. Um, so, and I had the, the gift, like I was born with the gift to sing. So it was what I did. I ended up growing into loving it. I mean, for a few years before I hit high school, I was all about animals and I wanted to be a veterinarian and all these things. But, so music for sure, creative arts for sure. But the things that are really igniting my my passion and my excitement now have a lot to do with how the creative arts and mental health and self-awareness and taking care of ourselves to be better for each other and our children, how those come together. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of reading, I'm in student mode. Like I'm reading a whole lot about. I feel
0: like I am too now.
1: Yeah, which the happiest people I know in my life have the heart imposture of a student. My husband is a great example. I mean, he just got his master's degree over the last two and a half years um, in practical theology, and watching him struggle, wrestle, but succeed and thrive um, was inspiring. And so I, yeah, it's a long answer to your question, but but I really feel like digging into more of Pursuing healing, really, because I do think it's possible. I think that there is healing and goodness that can happen um, as hard as this this
0: life can be. For the first time, I feel like I'm not just the guy that... I, I My identity was always the guy that's supposed to be funny, but wherever it is, on the radio, on mm-hmm. stage, TV, but whatever, whatever, that was just who I was first and everything else was secondary. I, and again, I think I'm kind of late to this party of, you mentioned healing. I now feel like that's not the most important part of who I am just now. Mm-hmm. One, I would imagine kids probably affects that as well. But when did that start to happen for you? Because I feel like you're so much more mature than I am. No. Like, oh like gosh, no. lights. Um,
1: I, thank you. That's kind, but it's not true. <laughs> I would say kids for sure. But then also, you know, I've been working on a music career since I was 16, like professionally since I was 16 met Charles and Dave when I was 20. So I'm almost 38, you know? So thinking about when you look at the trajectory of of a career, of a vocation, I mean, it's kind of like you're hitting a midlife moment in a career before your midlife in age. You know, it's a very strange... And so I think then you hit this point of, okay, I... I want to grow through this. I want to continue to grow even though sometimes what has been created and what exists, the art that I've been a part of making, um is seen, you know, they, like the fans or other people in my life closer to me even expect things to be a certain way and I'm like, "No, no, I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm growing." Like we're always supposed to grow. And I think that's one of the hardest things about having a public-facing life, in, in my opinion, is just um, giving yourself the permission to grow and knowing that what success looks like might look different after that and that that's okay and getting to a place of, of accepting
0: that, if that makes sense. It does. I uh, When you were talking about that, it reminded me of you guys have been, so successful for so long that I think a bit because you guys are still in your 30s Yeah, I think a bit you get people in this weird industry because they penalize you for how long you've been successful and they will categorize you with like some of the legacy groups because I think I just hold on sorry I'm drunk I don't drink (laughs) but I'm drunk apparently Um, I've been on a plane all day Um, I feel like and I don't know if you feel this way at all I feel like they hold you to a standard based on your success of legacy groups, and they often make you compete with your own songs to to, to focus and feature on your own music. And that here you guys are, you're, you know, back you know, 31, 32, but you've been famous for so long that to them, you're a 10-year a success. It's amazing
1: to see, like, like, we had so many people come through our shows and either send in requests or call and leave a voicemail and it's like, I've been a fan of yours since I was, you know, seven years old. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now you're in college.
0: Yeah. Like same thing with the people listening listen to the show.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so, and, and it's a, oh, it is such a privilege. Like it truly is such a privilege. And I think that's just when you are an artist and when you've had the unbelievable gift of, of years long of a career, that's our like. I feel like that's my own like. That's my personal work that I have to go and talk to my counselor about and how to to reconcile how all of that feels and then how I move through my life because it can definitely um, it can definitely take you into a place of like um, wanting to always strive to be relevant and um, it, it can play games. I can play games with my mind if I'm not in a healthy headspace around some of that.
0: I feel like that they will call them gatekeepers if it could be radio or or playlist at these major places or or serious or whatever. Like you guys would be held to a different unfair standard because you were successful so young and you had been successful so long that here you guys are younger than artists that are new at times. And again, they're treating you like legacy acts where, you know, we're going to play a couple of the other older hits instead of even giving your new song a chance. Yeah. And that always bothered me for you guys. Oh, thank because you would have artists that were right up for new artists of the year. And you guys are like four years younger <laughs> than they are. You guys have been doing it for so long.
1: And that, and you know what? That's where, gosh, it's just everybody's story. Everybody's journey is going to look different. And And I think the thing that I care the most about is just being able to celebrate, celebrate that for those other artists. And also not let the ups and downs the successes the that you know what people think are successes or failures within our my career um doesn't change my innate value as a human being I think you know and that's the part where it's like when you're when you're a striver when you want to pursue things and go after it with all you've got a lot of times your self-esteem can like rise and fall on that um and again, that's my work to make sure that, that it doesn't, that I wake up every day and go, no, just being me, just being Hill.
0: Good is, for you. You
1: know, and, and not, and every day is not that, I mean, it is hard. Sometimes multiple, multiple times a day. But back to kids, they keep me in check because they don't give a
0: flying hoot what I do. Because you're mom.
1: Because I'm mom and they're hungry <laughs> or. They want me to come play or they need me to, you know, help them take a bath or, you know, it's just, it's, it definitely brings things back into view perspective.
0: I find that most of my creative friends that I'm friends with, we all bond over neurosis, like heavy neurosis. Me, Brett, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know Ben Rector. Like yes. we are, we are together all the time and we're all like, for different reasons, we're all extremely neurosis, quirky hopefully lovable gentlemen. And the one thing that we have in common is we eyeball ticket sales on the day of to see if people still like us. Mm-hmm. And we all wish we didn't. Mm-hmm. Because we will, you know, we're announce, if I'm going to announce a 15 theater tour, I'm going to go do stand-up. Yes, I will, At 10.05, I'm clicking, looking, and if they're not selling, I'm like, oh, my God, it's over. People don't like me. They're not coming. Wow. They're not. Do you, did, do you or did you ever do that?
1: Um, the, no, really, I mean, and I definitely paid attention to the chart early on specifically, like when we were first starting and, and I, and I still don't understand some parts of it and how it works the way that it works. Um, but I would ask, I mean, I definitely inquired and asked questions, but, but I definitely lean on the side of, we create the art we do our part to show up to perform it to promote it to continue to nurture the relationships that help propel it forward and then ultimately you got to like you got to let it fly kind of you know it's got to fly the nest and then see where it goes um that's just been more of my personality now i know you know my bandmates probably would answer that question very differently which is probably why all of the ways that we're different make what we do so fun, so great. But no, I mean, that's something I think, and maybe it's not totally out of health that I just was like, oh, I'll just find out. Like, you know, there's a bit of a not knowing is
0: less scary. What was you and your your mom's relationship like when you were deciding you were going to do this for real?
1: It's a great question. Um, They wanted me to get a degree, my dad more than my mom probably, but they wanted me to get a degree, so I went to college and then ironically met Charles and Dave two and a half, two years in, to getting a degree. I was probably on a five-year plan, if I'm being honest, just because I was writing so much in town and was taking kind of the minimum hours per semester. But, um, you know, I think she wanted me—and this is how I feel about my girls—I want them to pursue their dream. I would never deter them from doing the same thing I'm doing if that's what they want to do, if that's what they feel more than what they want to do, what they feel called to do. Um, But she was always supportive, always supportive and protective at times, Um, probably wanted me to ask more questions than I did (laughs) early on. Um, But I think that she, she really gave me the space to find my way and then has been an unbelievable cheerleader.
0: If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com.
1: T-E-C-O-V-A-S.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. This is the Bobby Cast. So your names, though, have never been obviously Hillary Scott, her name, Linda Davis. What's the name? What's the real name situation there? Is that really her last name? So her
1: maiden name is Got Davis. It. Got it. And then my dad is Lang Scott, and so then my sister and I, you know, they're two daughters, and and so she's kept her maiden name.
0: Was there ever a time where you thought maybe if I go by Davis, people will know that? Like, what about the? Because your mom definitely well known especially in town also in country music did you ever think you wanted to use that to your advantage or was it you just so didn't want to use that
1: i don't know what if it's a it's the i was an only child for 14 years but i'm first born of two i don't or maybe it's my own stubbornness or pride i never wanted it to appear like i was riding their coattails at all i wanted to establish my own you know my own path um which always included their colleagues because they had been here and been a part of so much of, of what Nashville has been doing for so many decades. But um, I never wanted to ride their coattails. I mean, I was, like, probably stubborn to a fault with that. I would have been like, no way am I going right. to. Not because I don't love my, my Davis family, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm Hillary Scott, and we'll see. I, I want to see how this goes. It rises and falls on, on me being me.
0: What did you think, before you met Charles and Dave, your career was going, if you could have chosen it? What did you think it would be?
1: I honestly— I had gotten a development deal um, the year before in 2005 with another label in town, and I had showcased for that label March of 2006. They passed. The, we had packed it out. The showcase felt like it went great. Victoria Shaw was producing me um we had we've had strong songs and it and we even got great feedback from the label um but by the next morning they had said no, we've decided to go with another artist so i met the I met Charles and Dave two months later, like after that no, after that first big kind of industry career heartbreak i met I meet the two of them um I think I would have probably if not for meeting them, just tunneled way into songwriting. Um, I don't know if a solo artist career from that age, I don't know if I could have handled it. I just have always thrived in collaboration, in community, in friendship, and being able to, to work together with, with people as it, and, and kind of being a part of a team um, I would like to think I could have, but I think I would have felt so alone, lonely. And I just really enjoy collaborating with the two of them. So I think I would have written a lot. And then if given an opportunity, I would have jumped, but sustainability, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's really interesting to think about.
0: Whenever you think about you now, so you're Trying to make it a solo artist. For whatever reason, that doesn't work. Timing, probably. It's always weird timing. Mm-hmm. But then you meet these two. and were they, they were already together. I meaning they already were buddies, right? Or they were, okay. yeah.
1: Because they've known each other since middle school.
0: Right. Yeah. But now you're going from, I'm going to be a solo artist, to I'm possibly going to be a third of something. What kind of mental gymnastics did you have to do there?
1: Um, Meaning like sharing it?
0: Yeah, because it's you on stage um, it's you when you're the solo artist
1: i i don't think i i don't think i really thought about it it was this what we're doing is so creatively invigorating and fun and this feels so natural um even though it's new even though we communicate totally different and we're figuring out how to become friends while we start a band and start a business um I just, it was fun, and it was it felt right. Um, not easy, you know. I was, and I think being naive and young, I was so young. Um, I didn't know any different, you know. And I just knew what I'm doing. These songs, this friendship that's growing, just feels like where I want to be.
0: Whenever you guys start to become a unit, even if you haven't taken it out yet. Was it going to be, we are going to be, us a, a three, we're going to have a, a name, no, nobody's names on it. It's a, was that always the plan or was it, you know, okay, we'll write the songs you sing. Like, was that always it? We're going to be a trio. Let's go.
1: So it happened so, so organically because we, I met Charles. He mentioned Dave, that they had just moved up, Dave from Atlanta, Charles from North Carolina to start writing songs. We start writing the first song we ever wrote, is a song called All We'd Ever Need that was not originally a duet. And if they would say that, like Charles, and I think, had spoken to Dave to say, hey, this artist, Hillary, she has some traction. She just had a development deal, but it fell through. She's got great songs. Maybe we can write for her. Because they were kind of in that same, they were in that headspace of, we want to write songs. We'd love to get cuts. Charles was doing some songs, some shows on his own, I think, opening up for his brother, Josh, here and there. But I think they came into it thinking we'll write and she can, maybe we'll write songs for her. Well, then we wrote all we'd ever need. And I was like, this is a duet. Like you've got to sing the second verse. And so then when that happened and then the harmonies came in, that was how it just kind of continued to
0: evolve into a trio. The first showcase you guys did. Do you remember it? Yes. How'd that go?
1: Awkward. Oh, it was so awkward. Um, being on stage, I mean, I had done family Christmas show at Opryland for three years. Like, I had done Christmas songs, but actually performing like with a band, original material was so foreign and new to me. Um, so, being able to to learn how to you know interact with him, with Charles and Dave on stage, this it was third and Lindsley, and it was before they renovated, and the stage was literally about the size of. This space right here, it was so tiny. So Charles is 6'6", six, six, I'm 5'9", Dave's 6'1". It was a whole lot of, like, almost decking each other, you know, with arm moves. Um, so it was awkward, but it was fun. It was exciting. And How did it go? It went good. I mean, I, I want to say Josh Kelly, Charles's brother, had us open for him. And then... Then we kind of got a standing gig like every few weeks at 3rd and Lindsley. And then Josh went and did a show in North Carolina at this open air kind of amphitheater. Let us open up for him. I mean, so many things just started happening that we were like, how in the world is this happening? And we just kind of show up. We say yes.
0: How long until you guys got signed?
1: So we met in May of 2006, played our first show in August of that year. And we signed our deal We started negotiating our deal in February of 2007. Officially signed the contract in the summer of seven. And Love Don't Live Here Anymore came out fall of seven. It went fast.
0: When I was considering moving here, there's no way you'll remember this. So don't don't act like you do because you you won't remember it. (laughs) Whenever I was considering coming here, because there had never been like a national country show before. And I had built my own company over in pop and i built my own syndication company and spent my own money and had made it work but again i was getting a bit of flack because i would have willie on my pop show or eli young band or dirks or and they would go well you have an accent and i was in a bunch of markets but they were like you kind of sound like a hillbilly on a pop station you know that was kind of the, and so i was like okay we'll go to nashville and i came to you guys shooting some promos and i sat and you guys were so nice to me and i was i was just a dude that was sitting there we? In some soundstage. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: You guys were so nice oh. to me. And it was it was w- really one of the contributing factors to me going, you know, this feels uncomfortable because I'm giving up something that I built, but I feel like I can do some – like I think it would be naturally more me to, to do this. Oh. But I just remember how nice you guys were to me and going, man, if that's what people are like, they're like, I'm in. Oh, my gosh. That's
1: so kind.
0: Yeah. So, Thank you. And I don't even know – I wish I knew what you guys were doing, but you guys were – and then uh, McGraw was there too, mm-hmm. who, McGraw, obviously, older, way older, but like legend. And I remember him coming up and being like, what's up, man? I, and I was like, but what's, what What planet are these people on? <laughs> but you guys were so kind to me. And I don't think I've ever told you guys that story. Oh,
1: my gosh. that's
0: But amazing. it really factored in wow. to me moving here because of that. Um, oh. I just have a, a couple questions, final questions for sure. you here. Uh, and we talked about the new music you guys have put out and um, before before you got here but i was at a restaurant down near where our dogs are and i saw this guy really good looking chiseled guy he had an earring in dressed extremely fashionable and i was like that guy's gotta be somebody mm-hmm. and and he wouldn't turn around but he was so just strikingly handsome and had on just the exact like right that i would never be able to pull off and so i was like oh, i need to stop staring so I walked over to get my drink, and he comes over and he grabs me by the shoulders. He goes, "Bobby," and is one of the guys from For King Country. Yes, yes. Yes, and which, who I really like, and we have our own text thread, uh, the, the the Bone fa- family. Yes, you know? the small bones. Yeah, yep. th- <laughs> yes. And so, but are you you have something coming? Yes, you, their movie is happening.
1: That's right.
0: And did yeah. you do something with them?
1: I did. Okay, so it was it Joel
0: or Luke? Joel. Yeah.
1: Um, so. Yes, they asked me. So we collaborated on a a song. I featured on a song called For God Is With Us um, on their last record and had so much fun. We had kind of reached out to each other over the years since since my Christian project in 2016 about doing things together. It just never worked out. They send me the song that I already knew because I was such a fan. So I sing on that song with them. Well, then a couple months later— I get a call, and they're like, so we're shooting this movie. We've written the story of how our family migrated here from Australia. Um, Crazy story, story, by the way. is unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. And we need someone, Hillary, dear Hillary, is what Joel always says, to sing and play the role of the worship leader in the church that we started going to when we moved to Nashville. So I am Ann. Luann Meese is my character's name it is a it's such a small role but such an incredible opportunity to kind of dip my toe oh my gosh I had so much fun again it's just being a part of a team being a part of a cast Um, I am definitely still so much more comfortable singing than speaking on camera but um, it was a great experience and I got to screen the movie a couple months ago Um, comes out April 26th Um, it is an unbelievable film just about the resilience of family and how they just dug in and went through just such highs, such lows, but stayed together. And their mother, I mean, who is the true Miss Helen, is the—she's that she's the unsung hero. I mean, that's
0: who the whole film is is really honoring
1: and about. And um, I highly encourage everyone to see it because it's, it's powerful.
0: Uh, parallel as well, they— You know their sister was famous. Yes, and they were like, "We are not our brother sister." They didn't. We weren't. They weren't saying we're not, but they just—that was not their thing. Right. They wanted to go and see if they had what it took to. They're awesome. They are. Like they are. It's next level.
1: They bring the the bells and whistles of any pop show you can ever imagine. They bring to their shows, and the music is so dynamic, and the producers that they work with, like sonically it's just so interesting and they're they're amazing they're such incredible people friends and um yeah i i'm very very grateful for the small bones
0: that watching them perform because i knew them before i saw them perform it was like i don't know those aliens performing on stage (laughs) because those aliens rock yes it was it was crazy to watch how good they were let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Welcome back to the Bobby cast. Final question. Um, what do you hope people say behind you, behind your back?
1: Mm, I would say my hope is that I, I hope that people would say that I'm kind. Definitely, you know, have I have my moments where anxiety or stress or something that I'm preoccupied with gets the best of me, but um, that I'm kind and that I think the you know, that my own personal prayers for growth over these last few years is just to be kind no matter what and to grow in wisdom. So I think that would be the other hope as I get older, um, continue to get older is that, something
0: i said mattered
1: <laughs> to them is that you
0: know? kind of uh we'll just use the word mantra it's easiest for everybody is that right. kind of it to be kind is that mine is uh, don't complain oh that's good like i really try not to complain yes. because it doesn't mean no good it does no one else any good either so i try not to complain mm-hmm. um yours to constantly try to but it's hard by the way i don't do a yeah. good job of all the time because i complain like crazy me too. um but is that what it is for you to just try to be kind because you don't know what it, everybody or anybody else is kind of going through?
1: Yeah, to be kind and also, and know that like, that. That doesn't at all. It doesn't always come easy. Dependent on the person, dependent on where you are in your life, um, but that it's always the better choice. I'm always more. I always go to bed at night with more peace in my heart, <laughs> and you know, one thing I've been saying to my girls a lot lately when we're talking about sharing or, you know, working through things with friends, it's like, and this isn't in a you pursue perfectionism kind of way, but it's like, go make a choice. Go do something that you think would make God smile. That's what, that's what I want them. I want that motivation to be for them. That's my prayer for them is like, hey, let's go make people smile, but let's make God smile with the way that you're treating your friends, taking care of yourself, and experiencing life.
0: As we mentioned earlier, Love You Back, a love song. Uh, you guys follow both Lady A and Hillary Scott L.A., which seems like Los Angeles, but I know it's Lady A. <laughs> it I does? do. I do. But every time I see it, I think it's like Hillary Scott Los Angeles. But um, I'm just a massive fan of you as a person.
1: Thank you. And Thank you.
0: The, the band, obviously. You got— but I have such a different relationship. Like, Dave is the reason that I even went to Onsite and, like, had a lot of, yeah. like, you know, there's, I was going through some stuff. But I have a different relationship with all of you guys. So distinctly and different. Yes. And then all together as well. And you're all, like, it, it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank Like, you. I wanted to punch Charles in the face a few times. Yeah. And he, him, me. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that even makes us better friends. That's right. You know, it's, it's real. And, yeah. And Dave real. has been like right in my ear in times where I've been like, hey, man, yeah. like that guy is solid. He is. Um, so he I, is. I, I'm a big fan of you, big fan of the group. Thank you for coming in and spending the time. Thank you. And uh, you guys, you're done with the tour though, right? For now. We are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will you do a tour where you take no requests and only do songs that people have never heard of? Because <laughs> that would be opposite <laughs> if it were the other way.
1: You know what? That I That would be creatively really exciting for me and possibly. Very boring for the fans. We'll see. Only <laughs>
0: deep cuts, but not even your deep cuts. Yes. Deep cuts from your favorite artists. Another artist. other artists. That would be hilarious. All right. Oh, my god! Thank you, Hilary. <laughs> Thanks for listening to a BobbyCast production. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Takovas is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovas has first wear comfort with little to no break in period. Stop by your local Tacovas store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T E C O V A S.com. You can probably spell it, you probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.